Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Two key words there. Is a consuming fire, or do I say two key phrases? And it's a jealous God. He consumes, but he consumes at some points with jealousy. That's a prayer point I normally raise with our people here. And it's a very simple one, but very powerful. And that is, Lord, be jealous over me. Be what? Somebody said, if you want to see an angry man, eh? uh, somebody who is fighting because someone else has tampered with his wife, uh, you will really see such a person, a jealous man, concerning his wife, he will have killed the other person before he starts thinking, what am I doing? When you ask God to be jealous over you, <laughs> you are saying, whatever I have is yours. Whoever I am is what you want me to be. And if there's anything that wants to take me up, away from that part, because you are a jealous God, you'll do what? He will fight for me. If I will pray for someone here, that your enemies will see the wrath of a jealous God. Amen. You know what that means? <laughs> if God is jealous over you, the Bible says, he that touches you, does what? That's a jealous God. That's a God that says, these eyes must be protected. And anything that wants to touch these eyes will first of all touch me before touching the eyes. I pray for someone here today. God will be jealous over you. Amen. I say God will be jealous over you. Amen. And do you know when he's jealous over you, he fights with fire. He fights with what? Fire. With fire. So that the Bible, the passage says, uh, the Lord our God is a consuming fire. I know we're all familiar with Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29. That simply says, for our God is what? A consuming fire. When fire consumes, brethren, it is doing either of two things. It is either destroying or it is purifying. When fire consumes, it's either doing what? Either destroying or it is what? Purifying. Now, when the fire of God consumes, there are a number of reasons, and I'm going to highlight a few of them, that can make the fire of God to consume. Number one, it is because an enemy is destroyed. It is because of what? So the first reason that the fire of God consumes is to destroy an enemy. And I'm sure we will remember a very simple example. The case of Elijah. In 2 Kings chapter 1 from verse 9 to verse 12. The Bible says 2 Kings chapter 1 from verse 9 to verse 12. The king of Israel sent some, uh, some emissaries to go and ask of Baal Because he was sick. Will I come out from this sick bed? And the Lord said, go and, go and meet his, his emissaries. And say, is it because there is no king in Israel? That you have sent to, to, to go and ask of uh, the king of, I mean, the god of Ekron? 
I said, because of that, you will not come down from your sick bed. And the man said, oh, who is the person that met you? They said, we don't know his name. In fact, we have never met him. But he's a hearing man. And, I mean, because the way he is dressed, I would say, oh, I know him. He said, that is Elijah. And the Bible says he sent the captain and his 50. Go and arrest him. And the captain and their 50 came before Elijah and they said, oh, man of God, the king says, come down. Tell somebody, I will not come down. The Lord will lift you up. Amen. The enemy will not bring you down. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Elijah said, if I be a man of God, let fire fall from heaven and consume you. And we know the rest is history. The fire came and consumed that man and his 50. Another group came, the fire consumed them. Why? There is an enemy that needs to be destroyed. And that enemy is the enemy of God. If God is jealous over you, if you are the apple of God's eye, anyone that is fighting with you is fighting with who? He's fighting with God. That was the case of Elijah. That was why he called down fire. And the fire came and destroyed the captain and his 50. Brethren, the fire of God will always respond to any challenge on the person of God. Does that make sense? The fire of God will do what? Always respond to any challenge on the person of God. That is what happened. That was a passage my sister was trying to quote when she was leading prayers. It's Daniel chapter 3, not Daniel chapter 5. The case of the three Hebrew brethren. That is what happened. The three Hebrew brethren, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown into that fire because the king erected a golden uh, uh, image and said everybody should bow down to his golden image. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we will not bow down to your image. That's Daniel chapter 3, from verse 16 to verse 25. The Bible says the king was annoyed and he said they should hit the furnace how many times? Seven more times. The Bible says because the furnace was so hot, the people that carried them and threw them into the fire, what happened to them? The fire of God will consume your enemies. Amen. The fire of God will consume your shackles. Amen. In other words, is there anything that is tying you down? Is there anything that is preventing you from fulfilling your destiny? Is there anything that is preventing you from fulfilling your ministry? There are men here, brethren, you know the call of God is upon your life. You know what God has called you to do, but there is a shackle holding you down. The fire of God will consume you today in Jesus' name. They wanted to kill those three Hebrew brethren. They threw them into the fire. But the Bible says, they have, whatever they used to bind them, is what the fire consumed. Amen. And when the king saw that there was a fourth man in the furnace, he was astonished. That fourth man in the furnace is the fire of God. That fourth man is what? Is the fire of God. That is the fire that overcomes all natural fires. That is the fire that changes fire to air conditioner. That is the fire that makes it conducive for you to, 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 to live inside any pressure and come out rejoicing. He met them there. When they came out, he didn't come out with them. Brother, you know what? We always assume that the three Hebrew brethren 
saw the fourth man in the furnace. It's not necessarily so. Do you know that as we are here today, there are many angels here? Do you realize that? If nothing else, I know there are some angels God has assigned to me. And I know they are here. But how many of them do you see? Except God opens your eyes. You will not see them. But they are here. And they are working. And I know they've been distributing some gifts to some individuals here today. And it will manifest in Jesus' name. I said to manifest in Jesus' name. The fourth man in that furnace was not necessarily visible to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All that they just knew was that their shackles were broken. And they said, Why do we keep on lying down? We don't know what they are seeing outside, but there's no fire here. Is that not so? There's no fire here. And until they call us to come out, let's just be walking around. It is onward, Christian soldier. Let's be walking around. They did not know that there was a fourth man walking with them. A fourth man guiding their footsteps. But the king saw it. Do you know that today, God will open the eyes of your enemies? I said, God will open the eyes of your enemies. And they will see that you are not alone. Is there someone here who is not alone? The fire of God is with you. I said the fire of God is with you. Because, brethren, the fire of God is not just something that is consuming paper. The fire of God is a person. The fire of God is an individual. What are some principles that we saw in the incidents of Daniel chapter 3? Number one, fire consumes indiscriminately. But the fire of God consumes selectively. Is somebody with me? Fire consumes how? If you want, God forbid, put a gas on this building and just light it. You, the person that lights the house on fire, if you don't run out, what happens? The fire will consume you. The fire doesn't know that this is the person that lighted it. But the fire of God consumes selectively. The fire of God can consume one and leave the other. The fire of God can bring glory to one man and release shame on another person. The fire of God can lift up one man and bring down another person. The fire will lift you up. The fire will lift you up in the name of Jesus. Brethren, number two, human fire, no matter how hot, bows to divine fire. When it meets the fire of God, human fire, no matter how hot, it does what? It bows to divine, I mean, to divine fire. Brethren, there's evil, true or false. And many a times in our surroundings, there is evil. But because you are carrying the fire of God, when the evil comes near you, like I always say, even the devil doesn't want to die. When evil comes and sees that if I continue, this is the path of destruction. What happens? It's going to turn back. It cannot continue on that path. And like we have highlighted number three, the fire of God is the presence of God. Wherever the fire is, there is also the glory. And while the fire was released on the enemies of God, and it, I mean, the children to, to consume them, 
the glory was manifested in the lives of the children of God. And that's very important. The people that couldn't say that, ah, king, don't send me on this errand, though. The people that said, it's the king that sent us. And we must. In fact, they were happy that the Bible says they were the chiefest. Is that not what the Bible says? It says they were the chiefest of the king's army. And they were the ones that were asked to take these boys and throw them into the fire. They were consumed chiefiously. I hope that is correct English. The Bible says at the end of it all, Nebuchadnezzar said in Daniel chapter 3 verse 29, he said, therefore I make a decree. Daniel 3 29. That every people, nation, and language will speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. And their houses shall be made a dumb hill. He said, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sword. Your God is a consuming fire. Your God is a delivering fire. Your God is a protecting fire. Your God will be glorified in your life. And your God will destroy your enemies. That is number one. When the fire of God consumes, it's because, I mean, there are some individuals. That, number two, the fire consumes when the judgment of God is experienced. When what? The judgment of God is experienced. And we know a very simple example. Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis chapter 19 verse 13, the angel said unto Lot, they said, we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And the Bible says in Verse 16, that while Lot lingered, the man laid hold upon him, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord be merciful unto him. I pray for someone here today, God will be merciful unto you. Amen. I say, God will be merciful unto you. They made up their mind that Lot must not die with Sodom, but Lot was not a serious man at that point in time. They say, run! Uh -uh. Ah, you mean you will destroy them? He kept vacillating. God will have mercy on you. Amen. Because of that mercy, they took hold of him and they took him out. Brethren, God is still destroying cities today because of the same sin for which he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, you know what men have learned to do? Men have learned to explain away the judgment of God. Men have learned, when the judgment of God comes, they will say, oh no, it is a lunatic moon. When the judgment comes, they will have an excuse for it, an explanation for it. But brethren, God, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same when? Today and forevermore. God has not changed. God has not changed. That is why we are Christians. Because we know whatever he has done before, he is still doing, and he will still do. Amen. I pray for someone here today. God will fight for you. Amen. I say God will fight for you. Amen. The third point when we are talking about the fire consuming is when a sacrifice is accepted. When what? We've all we've been looking at First Kings chapter eighteen. I mean, from verse twenty-one to twenty-four. 
And then from verse 30 to 39, we see that story. We've, we've been talking about this since morning. But I want to bring out just five things from that passage. The first thing is, the right altar can call down the fire of God. What did I say? In other words, your altar must be right in order for it to call down the fire of God. And you know the grace of our God and the goodness of our God is that a broken altar can still be repaired. Hallelujah. Maybe you are here today and your altar is broken down. That altar will be repaired. Amen. I said that altar will be repaired. Amen. You will not go back home with a broken altar. Amen. You are going to leave this, this place with a renewed fire. Amen. Because there is place for the altar that is repaired. That passage says, at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah called upon the name of the Lord. Brethren, there is something called the hour of prayer. We can pray everywhere. We can pray anytime. But brethren, if your prayer life is still the prayer of anywhere and anytime, you are not ready for the fire to fall. Is somebody with me this afternoon? You need to get to a point where you say, this is the altar I have set apart for God. This is the time. Our pastors have been mentioning it over and over again. You start praying and the phone starts ringing. That is the one that we are all guilty of. Tell your neighbor, repent. <laughs> Seriously, say, repent. repent. You, you start praying. Ah, Brethren, I've experienced it all. Honestly, that I'm praying and I can see that I'm moving to the next gear. And that hopeless phone rings. <laughs> and brethren, that is it. Uh, yes, that is it. I can't come back to that level again. Yeah. You know, there are times that you begin to pray and there's a level you get within 10 minutes. If you allow your phone to interrupt, you will spend the next one hour. You will be toiling and running. You are just on your own. We must, brethren, we must honor God. It's very, very, very important. There is a right time to pray. And the right time to pray is the time you have made up your mind you want to pray with God. Yes, I know they tell us pray at 12, pray at 3, pray at 6. And all. If you say, God, I am going to pray between 1 and 2, God is ready for you. Amen. Hallelujah. But do you know what? Your phone will ring at 12.59. You said you will pray at 1, right? Say the phone did not ring at 1. It will ring at 12.59. And then you will pick it up. Before, by the time you finish speaking, it's 5 minutes past 1. God has left. It's an appointment. It is an appointment. You will still pray for one hour. You are just making yourself happy. Oh, yes. Say, oh, we have prayed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That was powerful. It was powerful because you were making noise. It was not powerful because God was in it. At the appointed time, you were not there to meet God because that phone was more important. There is an appointed time for prayer. Brethren, 
things must change in your prayer life, in your Christian life, from this day onwards. The fire and the glory. The fire brings the glory. If the fire is burning on you, the glory has no choice. And I pray for someone here today. Your glory will shine. Amen. I say your glory will shine. Amen. The third thing I notice in that story of Elijah is there is a place for the Holy Spirit and the world in a sustained prayer life. There's a place for what? And without the Holy Spirit, the Bible will be a difficult book for you to read. True or false? Without the word, if you have a booklet of prayer and you pray number 1 to 30 today and you pray for one hour, I can assure you, by the time you do it for a week, you will give up. You will give up. Because the word is not backing up. What you, all you are just doing is pick up today, my mountain must fall. And you pick up the prayer points. You, you know what I'm saying, right? The prayer point, the topic of today is what? My mountain must fall. And you begin to read the prayer point. Ah, Oluwa, my mountain must fall. Oh, fall, 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 fall. Ah, you can be on fall for 30 minutes. <laughs> but without the backing of the world, you get tired. You get tired. There is a place for the word and the Holy Spirit for a sustained and successful prayer life. Why was that water poured on the altar three times? The Bible said there were four barrels. And the four barrels were poured how many times? Three times. Making what? Twelve. The same reason for which he chose twelve stones. There has to be a divine performance. There has to be a perfection of the world. And that's very important. The Bible makes us understand that Christ is the, what, the chief cornerstone. And the other apostles are what? They are the co-foundation stones. And then we are building upon that altar. Is that in your Bible? So he, he selected 12 stones. As far as it was concerned, it's only 12 tribes of it, but there is, there, is a, there is depth in it. And of course, we know the water stands for the Holy Spirit. The presence of God, the move of the Holy Spirit, that is a very rich altar. That is an altar that will call down fire. That is an altar that will stand before Ahab and say, as the Lord lives, before whom I stand. He doesn't stand before men. He stands before God. And then he can come out and make pronouncements. Brethren, God wants to take us to a higher level. In our respective parishes. Like our pastor was saying at the other time. And it's something I still believe. And it's what I am walking towards. You need only a miracle. How many? One. Only one. And your building will be too small to accommodate you. There are some publicity that flyers cannot do. Is that not so? Uh -uh. Somebody comes here on a wheelchair and stands up and carries his wheelchair out. Some people will be passing on the road there and they will come in. Then somebody has terminal cancer. Not ordinary cancer. Terminal cancer. They've given him his death sentence. And he comes into our church and we pray for him. And he stands up and he's jumping. The Bible says he was walking 
and leaping and praising God. You don't need flyers. Two of us. We need the fire of God to take us to that level. And we will get there in Jesus' name. I said we will get there in Jesus' name. Psalm 42 verse 1. As the deer pants for the water, so what? You must desire it with all of your heart. It's not just, oh, I want it. Hey, that one too good, oh. You are not ready. There is a price to pay. Jesus has paid his own price on the cross. But God will not give his gift to people who are not serious. And when God is still searching you out, when he says there is a young man out there I want you to go and meet, say, God, I'm tired. See, that's the man that said he wants the fire. God will not pass you by. Amen. I say, God will not pass you by. Amen. Because, brethren, by the time we live here to this afternoon, there, there's someone here that will have a new encounter with the living God. Amen. There is someone here whose story will change. Amen. There is someone here whose ministry will change. Amen. It doesn't matter if you are called a pastor or not. You don't need to be called a pastor to do exploits for God. The Bible says the people that do know their God, shall what? How many people are ready to do exploits? You do exploits for God in Jesus' name. Amen. I said you do exploits for, for God in Jesus' name. Amen. The last thing I noticed in that passage is what I call the place of order in the manifestation of divine presence. The place of what? Order. The Bible says let all things be done orderly. God is a God of order. When Jesus Christ was going to feed the 5,000 in Luke chapter 9, the Bible says he told them in Luke chapter 9 verse 14, make them sit down by 50s in a company. That is order. That is order. And like the passages our brethren have read earlier on, in, in, in the, what Elijah did, he put the altar, he put everything in order. Leviticus that we read, uh, Leviticus chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, he talks about putting things in what? Order. God is a God of order. God is ready to lift you up. Somebody does not like that prayer. Amen. I say God is ready to lift you up. Amen. But do you know that before God lifted up Elisha, Elisha served Elijah? You are not ready to serve your Elijah and you want God to lift you up? God is not the author of confusion. Order. God is a God of orderliness. What is your testimony, my brother, my sister? If you leave your church today, what are we going to be saying about you? Yes, sir. <laughs> it's true. If some of us will leave today, they will say good riddance. Yes. Ah, that God, in fact, I will go for three days fasting just to thank God. That God, you are just wonderful. I didn't know that this is how you love me. You won't do. You won't allow those that will do to do. I pray God will not fight you. Amen. Because I know God is a jealous God. And he's jealous over some people here today. And whoever God is jealous over, God fights that person's enemies. And if I am dedicated to the work of God, and you are my enemy, you are in trouble. Uh, is that not so? If I am dedicated to the work of God, if I have made up my mind that I have nothing else but eternity to fight for, 
And you have made up your mind that you will fight me. Ha! Hallelujah. Because I won't fight. The jealous God that watches over me. The God, the Bible says, He that keepeth Israel. Ha. The Lord is good. I said, The Lord is good. Let's look at some terminologies for fire in the scripture. I mean, for this fire, just a few things, just a few things that I noted down here. <laughs> in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 38, the Bible says, The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And that fire not only consumed that sacrifice, it consumed the wood, consumed the stones, consumed the dust, and sucked up the water that was in the trench, the water that was supposed to stop the fire. The fire sucked it up. It, there it was called the fire of the Lord. When you go to Leviticus chapter 9 verse 24, the Bible says, it calls it the fire. There came a fire out from before the Lord. What does that mean? The fire is in the presence of God. The fire we are talking about is coming from what? The presence of God. It's not fire of matches. It's not fire of kerosene and, uh, and, and gas. Fire from the presence of God. It came upon the altar and burnt everything that was here. I love this one. Judges chapter 6 verse 21. Judges chapter 6 verse He said, then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand. Judges 6 21. And touched the flesh and the unliving cakes. And the Bible says what? There rose up fire. From where? Where did the fire come from? Uh, who is changing this Bible thing? Because people are looking at it and you are not changing it. Judges chapter 6 verse 21, if you have it open. He said, there rose up fire out of the rock. From where? Who is that rock? That is Jesus. Fire out of the rock. Consume the flesh and the unliving king. You know, brethren, as children of God, we are privileged. We are what? But many of us, we are handicapped because we don't know the privileges that we have. You carry a God that is a God of fire. And is ready to manifest his fireness. I hope that's good English. Sister he is ready to manifest his fireness. At every opportunity that demands, fire came out of the rock and consumed the offering. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1, when Solomon was made a sacrifice, the Bible says, when he had made an end of praying, the fire came down from where? From heaven. Fire from heaven. Fire from heaven. And in 1 Chronicles 21, 26, the Bible says, David built an altar unto the Lord and offered both offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord and he answered from heaven by fire upon the altar. So you need this fire to be a living sacrifice. You need this fire to be what? We all know Romans chapter 12, right? I beseech you therefore, verses 1 and 2, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, which is your reasonable service. The reason many of us cannot present our bodies a living sacrifice 
It's because there's no fire. No fire. And so it's difficult for us to live a Christian life. There's something I call an undulating Christian life. You know what that is? Undulating. Up and down. Today, he's the best Christian in the world. Tomorrow, ah, if you talk to her, you're in trouble. Next tomorrow, ah, hallelujah, praise God. Ah, she's the best Christian in the whole world. The following day, it's fine on the mountain again. Undulating Christian life. Because the fire of God is not there. If you are in that situation, receive that fire today in Jesus' name. I said receive the fire today in Jesus' name. You need this fire to be a living sacrifice. This is because this fire also purifies. The fire does what? It purifies. In Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 from verse 2 to verse 3. Malachi 3 verses 2 and 3. He said, who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appeared? For he is like a refiner's fire. And like a fuller's soul. He shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And purify the sons of Levi. And purge them as gold and silver. Brethren, he's still doing it. He's still doing it. That's why the Bible makes us understand that God calls in the midst of this refining. So, the fire of God that we're talking about, it's not bread and water. Is somebody with me this afternoon? It's not what? It's not bread and water. Elijah was a fire carrier. But the Bible never told us he lived in the city. That doesn't mean you have to go outside the city. But it tells me that there are sacrifices involved. The Bible says the spirit of Elijah rested upon John the Baptist. Is that not so? Before he knew what was, what was happening, he also found himself in the wilderness. There is a wilderness path. If you are going to abide with this fire, you must be prepared. Do you know the meaning of jealousy? Well, I think, I think our sisters will understand better when they say somebody is jealous. Yes, yeah, so. Jealousy. God wants you for himself. Tell somebody God wants you for himself. And that's very important. He wants you for himself. He wants your totality for him. Not just your 10 minutes or 20 minutes in the morning. There's someone in your place of work that you are supposed to lead to Christ. And the person will come and meet you and be crying. Say, I don't really understand my life. What is all this that is going on? And instead of you to preach the gospel, you say, ah, the weather today is bad. Though. If that person goes to hell, you will follow him. It's true. You say you are a child of God? Okay, I won't preach at work, this and that. But God has brought somebody to you that is saying, this is my life. This is my situation. And you cannot tell him that the only solution I know is Jesus. Just tell him that and see what he will say. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says there were some men that said, men and brethren, what shall we do? If only you would tell that man, the only solution I know is Jesus. Maybe the next thing he will say is, ah, tell me more. But instead, he said, did you hear what they say on CNN? 
and destroy the groundwork. What has taken God 20 years to bring to pass? You destroy it. The only opportunity that man has to hear the gospel. He has sent you, but you turn out to be an unprofitable servant. God calls in the midst of the refining, brethren, and some experiences in life are so that this fire can shine forth in your life as his glory. The fire will mold you in the furnace of affliction and purify you for his use so that you can stand like Elijah and make the declaration as the Lord lives before whom I stand. The Bible says the poor you will always have among you, right? But you know the reason some of us are poor is simply because we are very disobedient. Mm -hmm. Terrible children of God. Yes, we are very disobedient. Even when God is telling you what you will do that will make you to prosper. When you will not do the one that is for God, how will you obey him the one that is for you? That is a problem. We want to be rich, we want to, then you, what will happen? Child of God, we're going to be putting our hands into things that you cannot tell them in church. How is work? Ah, wonderful. God is good. Well, you know you are lying. You know, if the rapture were to take place today, it's eternal damnation. Brethren, as we are talking this afternoon, examine yourself. If there's anything that will make you live here and rapture will take place and you will miss it, you better drop it before you go. That is the reason you are here. There's no place for mixture. Our God is a holy God. The fire purifies. The Bible says he's too holy to do what? To behold iniquity. The consuming fire consumes all the dross and imperfections in your life. And you begin to shine brighter. And radiate his glory. You know some of us, your boss will just look at you and say, I just like you. You think he's, uh, he's just saying he likes you because you are beautiful? Or because you think you are handsome? And then you are deceiving yourself. It is the glory of God. It's the fire that is working in you. But then if the fire takes you to the place of favor, then some people will now go and spoil it. They say, ah, that's my boss. He likes me. I don't want to disappoint him. Then you begin to do things that are ungodly. Before you know what happened, he will dislike you. Yes. The Bible says the end will be worse than the beginning. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. The eyes of the Lord are still going to and fro. He is looking for one person. How many people? Why will God look at all of us here and won't find one person that is faithful? One person that can say, Lord, I'm ready. Use me. Saying God should use you does not mean you will become the general overseer. It doesn't even mean you will become pastor. There are people God wants to use in the marketplace. But because they think if they are serious with God, they will become pastor. And God will just be looking at them. I'm sure we all love Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, right? Can somebody tell me what it says? We all love it. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives thee the power. To... We want that power to get well. We are not ready to do anything to get it. God will have mercy. There was a man of God called A.A. A. Allen. Some of us have heard about him. 
It was a man that God moved in his life in the miraculous. But before he got there, he prayed, said, God, this one that, uh, this churchianity, I'm not comfortable with it. I want the Christianity of the Bible. Do you know if you cry to God for that? My hand should be here. This is where our pastors are sitting. If you tell God, I want the Christianity of the Bible, can he do it or not? Will he do it or not? A.A. Allen said, this is what the Bible says. There were healings. There were deliverance. I can't be doing this type of ministry that there's no healing, there's no deliverance. I talk, 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 I achieve nothing. He closed himself in. He said, until you answer me, I'm not going anywhere. God answered him and gave him 13 points. How many points? And he wrote a book about 11 of them. He said the other two, they are so personal that he cannot, he didn't even share them with his wife. But what, this is what I'm trying to bring out. As he crossed those hurdles one by one, he began to see greater manifestations of the glory of God in his ministry. Brethren, there are stages involved. You will cross the stages. I pray for someone here today. When your journey on earth is ended, you will be empty. Amen. Somebody does not understand that prayer. Amen. I pray for someone here today. Maybe pastor, minister, brother, sister. When your journey on earth is over, you will be empty. Do you know some people, when they, when they die, they go to the grave with their dreams. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. That is the fire breaking the glory out upon you. Every stage that you cross, God will manifest himself. I'm going to cut short some things and go so that we can uh, pray for a few minutes. The Bible makes us to understand in Exodus chapter 13 verses 21 and 22 that the Lord went before the children of Israel by day in a pillar of cloud and by night in what? A pillar of fire. What was the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire for? For three things. To guide them, to lead them, and to protect them. To do what? Guide them, lead them, and protect them. The Bible says when they were in the wilderness, the fire will rest upon the tabernacle until the fire is raised up. They are not going anywhere. If the fire stays there for 20 years, they will sit down there. Remember they were there for 40 years in the wilderness. When they were west between the Red Sea and Pharaoh. The Bible says the pillar of cloud and fire moved from their front to their back and was a separation between them and the Egyptians. Exodus chapter 14, Proverbs 24 to verse 27. 24 to 27. Numbers chapter 14, verse 14. Numbers chapter 14, verse 14. Still talking about this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. We said the fire is his presence. In like manner, the glory is what? Is his presence. The glory of God is what? Is the presence of God. When you go to Exodus chapter 33, from verse 13 to verse 17, 
We see where Moses was talking to God. He said, if I have found grace, show me your way. I want to know you. I want to find grace in your sight. And God said, my presence will go with you. I will give you rest. His presence will go with you. Amen. I say his presence will go with you. Amen. I say his presence will go with you. Amen. When you go to Exodus 33 from verse 18 to 23, the Bible says, Moses said, I beseech thee, show me your glory. Show me what? I want to see your glory. You've been talking to me. I've been hearing your voice. Now I want to see your, vo your glory. Look at the response God gave to him in verse 19. Exodus 33, verse 19. The passage is 18 to 23, verse 18 to 23. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Now, Moses said, show me your glory. Now look at what he said in verse 20. He said, and he said, thou cannot see my face. It means his glory is what? It's his face. His glory is his face. He said, for there shall no man see me and live. Many are times when the Lord visits his children, he normally visits them like, as a very brilliant light. You just find out that maybe you are in the dark or you put up the light or whatever and the place is just brilliant. I know someone here will have a testimony. Amen. I know someone here will have a visitation. Amen. I know someone here will have an encounter with Jesus. Amen. And you will be transformed in Jesus' name. When you go to that Exodus 34 from verse 6 to 10, the Bible tells us that God now passed and he declared his attributes. Attributes before Moses. And I'm just going to summarize, uh, uh, just put down the passage. We all know the passages. You can put it down and read it later. But from all these passages I have highlighted, the glory of God can be summarized as encompassing the following. Number one, the glory of God includes the goodness of God. Includes what? I'm going to pray for someone here this evening. God will be good to you. Amen. I say God will be good to you. Amen. In other words, I will say you will experience the goodness of God. Amen. The Bible says, The glory of God includes the name of the Lord. It includes what? Of course, you know that that's a complete, in fact, not, not just a message. It's something you can be preaching on for the next six weeks, seven weeks. Is that not so? We have the covenant names of God, all the Jehovah names, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sikenu, Jehovah Elohim. We have the, creative, the names of God that work with his creative power, the Elohims. But the Bible says the present, the glory of God is encompassing his name. That's how the Bible says the name of the Lord is what? The righteous do what? And what happened? The unrighteous run into it and what happened? They, they are destroyed. They can't get in there. Tell somebody be righteous. As if you mean to say be righteous. So the glory includes the goodness of God, the name of the Lord, the grace of God. The what? The Bible says, by grace we are saved. Is that not so? There's no salvation without grace. But then we must not abuse the grace. That's why the Bible goes on and says, shall we continue in sin? That what? 
And the Bible goes on to say what? God forbid. The Bible is complete. Do you realize that? If God did not put down that small part, God forbid. Ah, today. If I tell one of our brothers to tell us something about grace, they will tell you some esoteric things that you will be shaking your head at. Is this of God? But God summarized it. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. Because the Bible says, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. It only tells you that no matter how sinful you are, come to God, he will forgive. It doesn't mean that go and be multiplying iniquity after you have come to God and you continue to forgive. That is heresy. So the, the glory of God encompasses the mercy of God. The mercy of God. God will have mercy on you. God will have mercy on me. The glory of God includes the way of God. The way of God. Moses said, show me now thy ways. And somebody said he's the way in the scriptures. Who is that person? Brethren, there is, there is a wealth of knowledge in the Bible. We can never exhaust it. But we don't spend enough time studying it. God will help us. Tell somebody, study the Bible. As if we may say, study the Bible. If this fire will achieve its purpose in our lives, we must study the Bible. The glory of God is the truth. Exodus 34 verses is what? The truth. And of course, we know again, who is the truth? Jesus Christ. The glory of God is the nature of God. And what I mean by that? He said, when you go to that Exodus 34 verse 7, the Bible makes us understand he keeps, he forgives, he visits, he clears. Right? He has a record. A record book. He keeps. He forgives. He visits. He clears. There is a good side and there is a bad side. What side of the glory are you? you are the-